But I wanted to get into my message this morning, uh, really kind of excited as I've been going through this starting last week, the gifts of Christmas, and thinking about some of the things that Christmas gives to us that we might just kind of overlook and not realize the importance of them. Or maybe we don't take the time to apply them to the way that we follow Jesus. But, so here's a couple of questions for you. How many of you have been watching Christmas movies? Just be honest, as there's no judgment here. We love you, all right? How, many, how about a couple of your favorite movies? Anybody just shout it out. Favorite Christmas movie? Home Alone. Christmas Carol, which one? The black and white version, okay. Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. <laughs> Somebody had to say it. Elf, yes, Elf's a good one. I'm, I'm a big fan of Elf, and I have to say another one of my favorites, it is a Christmas carol, but it's the Muppet Christmas carol. Like, that is a good move. Like, that's one you can sit down with the whole family, and I, I just really enjoy it. But here's the other part of this, and, and I'm, I'm almost ashamed to say this, but for many years, uh, Jess and I used to watch <clears throat> a lot of Hallmark Christmas movies. Um, to the tune of probably 20 to 25 per year. And, and you know what? I got to be honest, the first one I ever saw when like, you know, the guy and the girl come together at the end, I was like, oh, wow, that is so, I did not see that coming. <clears throat> Hold on. I've not been surprised by a lot of endings after that, just to be honest. Um, Seem to be a lot of the same things going on uh, time and time again. But we love Christmas movies, and, and here's why. Because our Christmas movies give us the feels. You ever hear this expression before? The feels, those emotions that come out of us, those, those feel-good things that just wash over us when we're watching those movies. And, and really, I found it interesting as I was doing some research this week, uh, but there was a, a group of, of people who studied with the University of Oxford, and, and they really found out that when you're watching stuff like this, it literally begins to release endorphins and dopamine in your mind. Like, it, it's not just that you're enjoying the movie. Your brain is releasing chemicals as you watch that and as they finally come together and the snow is falling and Santa who was somehow in the movie the whole time and we didn't know uh, just comes through the background and, and you're suddenly there's just something inside of you that goes ah isn't that nice even though you knew that that was what was going to happen anyway but I've, so there are a couple things here you know these feels and and I think I want you to think right now what your favorite Christmas movie is just put it in your brain your favorite Christmas movie, I guarantee you it has nearly all of these elements in it. Here we go. New beginnings, okay? An unexpected adventure, hope, laughter, second chances, falling in love, perfect moments, family love, and finally a valuable life lesson. Every one of our movies, this is the, the crux of all of it. We bring it together and these are the things that we experience. Again, I'm going to pick on Hallmark movies just because they're the easiest and to be frank, I've stopped watching them, but, but let's just, let's, let's pick on them a little bit here. It's always the same thing. It's this lady and she's very successful and she's working in this business field, but she's going to go home and visit mom and dad for, the, for Christmas. I don't know why. She's a terrible mechanic. Her car breaks down in every movie. Or if it doesn't break down, a snow 
snowstorm should come to make sure that she gets stuck. She knew this guy in junior high. He was annoying and ugly, but now he's handsome and very rich. But he's also a handyman, and it's really kind of strange. So they meet each other, all of these things. Second chances were falling in love. There's this perfect moment and all these family things. All of it comes together, and we just sit and we take it all in, and we're like, ah, isn't that nice? Let's watch it again with other people in another movie. But there is a connection. There is a connection. Because when we go through the Christmas story, there are some real moments where the feels begin to hit us. There are some real moments of things that take place. And and my hope is that as we kind of explore these today, we'll be going to Luke chapter 2, that we can begin to understand that these feels aren't meant to just kind of ride us out for a moment, not until just, you know, December 27th and when we start tearing everything down, but that are supposed to connect us to a moment in our walk in relationship with God that challenges us and changes us. So I want to talk to you this morning about a man named Simeon, and and we read about Simeon a little bit after Jesus' birth, And, and probably Jesus at this point is between 30 to 40 days old. This is when they would typically be brought into the temple and and kind of shown before the priests. And so We have this moment and Jesus, a little baby, month old, being brought in. And when he gets into the temple, there are two people there that they encounter. One is named Simeon and the other is a woman named Anna. And I want to to focus on Simeon here. But if you're with me, you can read in verses 25 through 28. It says, at that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. Now, we're watching this this movie play out here, all right? If you can, you can, I don't know, put on whatever background music you need to hear to put this in the the right moment here. But it's just this neat moment that comes together. And there's this man named Simeon, and we find out that he has been what everybody else in Israel has been for most of their lives. They've been waiting for something that has been promised to them for a long period of time. It's the coming of the Messiah. In fact, when we go all the way back and look at some of the first times that prophecy comes forth about Jesus coming, it's nearly 700 years before Jesus actually comes. And so they've been waiting, they've been waiting, and this is something I think that we can really connect with because all of our great Christmas movies begin with someone who is longing and waiting for something. They're longing, you know, they're bored in their lives, they've gotten kind of into the rut of life, they're, they're bored in their career, they're, they're bored with where they live, they used to be this and now they're here, or they grew up in the country and now they're a city girl and they just can't stand all of this. They're longing and waiting, they need something new. And really, Simeon, his story is very similar to this. He's been waiting his whole life, and the Holy Spirit had told him, Simeon, you're not going to die before you get to see the Lord's Messiah. And so this is the moment that's playing out for him. Simeon, who has waited and waited for this, this time to come, he's now finally getting to see it. And here's the thing that occurs to me as we think about longing and waiting. 
You know, if we think to ourselves, what are some of the things that we're longing for? What are some of the things that we're hoping for? And and a lot of it we see in these movies that we watch. And really, I, I find also interesting that sometimes the movies that we watch begin to shape in our minds what we should be looking for, what we think we're looking for, what we think we want. The reality is that in this moment, when Simeon encountered Jesus, this encounter changed him and he realized that the only thing that satisfies is relationship with Jesus, seeing Jesus. And you know, your Bible is full of stories of people who were at one point in their lives in this place of just waiting and longing. They had a good life, or maybe they had a bad life, or they had it all together, or maybe they didn't, it's just either end of the spectrum, but all realizing that they didn't have everything they wanted. You can read about Moses, who was running from God after having the ability to grow up in Pharaoh's household, but he finally finds God after running from him. Nebuchadnezzar, who was the king of Babylon, had to be humbled by God because he kept rebelling against God. Our disciples that we read about, they were fishermen, tax collectors, ordinary people who God began to work through. Nicodemus, who was a Pharisee who decided to give his life to God. Zacchaeus, who had been a wealthy tax collector. Martha, who had chosen to work and to put herself into her work instead of abiding in Jesus. Paul, who had been a Pharisee and who had killed Christians. Lydia, who had become a successful businesswoman. The sorcerers in Acts chapter 4 that gave everything that they had. There's so many stories of these kinds of people who were living life and finally realized what I've been waiting and longing for is Jesus. What I've been waiting and longing for is actually relationship with God. And we see Simeon's response to this in verses 28 through 32. It says that he took the child in his arms and he praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace. As you have promised, I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is the light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. Simeon has an encounter with God, an encounter with Jesus, and his response is this. After seeing Jesus for who he really is, I can die in peace now. There's nothing else I need after this. You know, we have a lot of things that we hope to accomplish in our lives. If you stop to think about that, right? You know, I remember being a kid, and when you're a kid growing up in church, you're told from the time you can first understand, Jesus is coming back soon. So you kind of get a little scared of that when you're a kid, right? And so you think to yourself like, okay, Jesus is coming back. Well, I got some things I hope happen before Jesus comes back. I remember thinking, I want to drive a car before Jesus comes back, right? I want to get my license. I want that freedom. I want to drive a car. That'd be amazing. I got my license, right? Then I'm thinking to myself, you know what? I want to get married because marriage seems like it'd be a cool thing. You got this adventure, you and your wife, and and it's just some fun things. I want to get married first. Then we get married. I'm like, you know what? I want to have kids. Lord, don't come back yet because I don't have any kids yet. I want to have some kids and it's going to be amazing and we're going to have kids. And now years later, I have kids and they're teenagers and I'm like, Lord, come. Oh, Jesus, just come back. Now is the time. Now is the time, Lord. It's fine. We call this a bucket list. We got things in our lives. You ever hear this? It's the bucket list, the things we want to do before we kick the bucket. 
the bucket list of things that we hope to accomplish. And listen, you know, some people take time to really give thought to this, the things they hope to do in their lives. They hope to maybe go somewhere, experience something, travel to some place, you know, you know have something that, that is on their minds. But one thing that probably doesn't occur to most of us when con- considering our bucket list is something that did occur to Simeon. It's that I want to see God. I want to see the Son of God for who He really is before I die. I want to have a kind of relationship with God that everything else about my life begins to pale in comparison to what I have found in relationship with Jesus. It's probably not on a lot of our bucket lists. Most of the things that we come up with, they're worldly things that we hope to experience. We really, you know, life is fleeting. We don't know how long we're going to live. And, you know, we're, we're met with the reality of death constantly. How many of you realize you're not promised tomorrow? You're not. You know, from the youngest in here to the oldest in here, none of us are promised tomorrow. Every day of our lives is a gift. And, and you know, so sometimes that challenges us. Go after that dream. Go do that thing. Make that change. Do th- but one of the things that we often miss in the midst of this is what would it be like to truly embrace relationship with Jesus and to see him for who he really is. And this is what Simeon did. It says that he took Jesus and he held him in his arms and he had this opportune moment to look Jesus right in the eyes and he said, I'm satisfied. I'm, I'm literally, my bucket list just got wiped out. Everything I could have ever hoped for in my life has been now satisfied by relationship with Jesus. And I want to ask you, you know, to think for yourselves, are you satisfied in your lives right now? You have a list of, I, I need this, I need this, I want to accomplish this, I want to go here, do this, experience. Would you consider yourself satisfied in your relationship with Jesus? What if today was your last day? What if today was the last chance that you were going to get to love Jesus and to serve him the way that you could? Would you be satisfied with the kind of encounter, the, the way in which you have known God and been known by him? It's probably not on your bucket list. Probably not when we're talking about all the feels of Christmas. Not the thing that comes to the forefront of our minds is to stop and think about the brevity of life and how precious everything is because this life is so short. But I want to challenge you in this, to look at your relationship with God, not just through the lens of, I want to have a good enough relationship with God so that when I die, I go to heaven. I want to have a good enough relationship with God so that I can escape the flames of hell because hell sounds like a bad place and I really don't want to go there. Instead, framing it in the sense like I want to be so close with God and know him for who he is. I want that life-giving and life-changing experience to shape me so much so that every other pursuit in this world then becomes meaningless. This is what Simeon experienced. He held Jesus, beheld him, and he said, I could die in peace now because I've seen the Lord's Messiah. I've done it. There's nothing else after this that's going to be greater. I've done it, and I have peace now. Lastly, we see Simeon turn and give a blessing to Mary and to Joseph. It says, he turned and said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, 
but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very souls. You know, if we're looking at this moment on our TV screen, we're seeing this is like the orchestra is like playing really loud music. It's this climactic moment. We have Simeon holding the baby, and it's like, and then he turns and he says to her, listen to me. This child is going to be that which causes some to rise and some to fall. He's not going to be this middle of the ground kind of God that we just think we can approach in a mild-like manner. It's either going to be this or this. And we see this kind of reiterated in Acts chapter 4 because Peter and John, they're before the Sanhedrin, the religious elite court, if you will, and they're giving a testimony about Jesus. And this is what they say in verses 11 and 12. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. I want to say that again. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. This whole thing here that he's looking at, he's like, listen, we as the Pharisees, we look at the world through different ideas constantly. We're we're looking at how do we find our happiness? How do we find our peace? And again, it's this pursuit of everything that we're after. It's it's pursuit of the feels, feeling good about life. And because we've seen it so many times play out in our Hallmark movies or whatever else that we're watching, we almost become convinced that if we could start to emulate some of the things that we're seeing in those movies, then maybe we'd find peace. Maybe we'd find our happily ever after. Maybe we'd find our ending. And so we start to, to run after the things that they're running after. Change this, change this, change this, change that, change that, change. Just try to make it fit into a point where I'm, when what really mattered the entire time was the relationship with Jesus. And I, and I want you to hear me, until that's right, nothing else will ever make you happy. Nothing. We've got more than enough People through history who tried to find happiness in their lives, chasing after everything else in the world. People who had more money than anybody else who has ever lived and they didn't find peace and happiness because it can't be bought. It can't be experienced outside of relationship with God. But this whole idea of the cornerstone here, and this is really a reference to Bible times and how buildings were built. When a building was built, they would take a stone and they would have to carve it out of the rock, okay? And that's how this stuff happened. They'd go to the quarry, they'd have to chisel it out and make a nice big stone, and these would be the foundations. But it was the stonemason's responsibility to inspect these stones. And if they were not good enough to build upon, they rejected it. They said, no, this, this one has, it's leaning a little bit or it's imperfect, it's got a crack, it would not be a solid fountain. So they rejected it. 
And he's using this same kind of analogy when he's looking at what it means to accept Jesus. He says, we as a people looked at Jesus as a potential for a foundation and we rejected him because we said, no, I think I can build a life of happiness on this. Maybe I could build a life of happiness if I got that, that career that I'd always thought I wanted or if I get that house or if I get that car or if I get the, you know whatever, the notoriety, the fame, the recognition. We, we begin to look at those things, but he says, listen, Please hear me. There's salvation in no one else. And there is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. He says there's no other solid foundation. And really the reality of Jesus is that whether we choose to build on him or something else will determine whether we rise or we fall. Are we going to rise building upon that solid foundation of relationship with Jesus? Or are we going to fall because we put something else in its place? Something that seemed like it fit. Something that might bring us a little bit of momentary satisfaction. I'll build on that. I'll build on that. That'll that'll be a life that's a, a good foundation if I just get this or whatever is on the list. Simeon looked at Jesus, and this is his warning to Mary. It's prophetic. It's a warning for us. He said, listen, look at this son of God for who and what he really is. Because he will either become the foundation upon which people build their lives and have relationship with God, or for some, the stumbling block that causes them to fall. There's no in-between. And should it shock us that in the world we're living in today, we're watching this play out? Like people who are building their lives on Jesus and people who are doing everything they can to run away from him. People who are like, I want to be more like Jesus and people who just want to spit in the face of the people who want to be more like Jesus. Like we're watching it and it plays out time and time again, but there is no other name. And in the midst of this season where we're chasing the fields, And we're looking for that feel-good moment. We're looking for that feel-good ending. We're looking for that feel-good happily ever after. All of these things. Please, can you hear me in this? There is no other happy ending, no other name by which we can be saved. There's nothing outside of that solid foundation of Jesus that brings us peace. And that is what makes it one of the greatest gifts of all time. God loved us so much that he gave his one and only son. He said, I want to send my son into the world to build a solid foundation for the people that I love so that they can rise in their lives and in relationship with me because I love them. Church, it's a choice for us. Will we choose to rise having built on Jesus or fall having built on something else? I want to encourage you this Christmas season and beyond in January, in February, in April, July, August, November of next year to keep building on the solid foundation that is Jesus. Nothing else will satisfy. And if you find yourself at a place in life where the only things in your life that you can imagine that are gonna bring you happiness is that bucket list, maybe it's this, maybe it's this, maybe it's this, can I please just put your attention for a moment on the possibility That if you could experience Jesus for who he is, behold him for who he is as Simeon did in this moment, that his gift of salvation in your life would satisfy every other desire because nothing else would matter nearly as much as this. I have found my hope 
in the living God. Will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. This incredibly generous offering to the world that we do not deserve. And God, there have just been too many times in our lives where we've tried to fill that God-shaped hole inside of us by looking for something else. Looking for something else to bring us peace or satisfaction, whether it be more money or a, a home or a car or just all these things, God, that we're, we're just, maybe this will do it, maybe this will do it. And God, we just, we miss you. We miss you for who you are. And God, I pray that we in this room would not overlook the gift of your son Jesus, that we would not overlook what Simeon saw in this moment, that we too would encounter you in such a way that every desire of our hearts is then satisfied. Because what else could be greater than having known and been known by the God of all creation? What could be greater, God, than receiving the gift of mercy, of salvation? Lord, fix our eyes on that. Help us, Lord, to build on that one foundation that truly brings peace into our lives. Church, I just want to ask you as we're in prayer this morning, and maybe you're here, and you're looking, you know, maybe at your own life and, and contemplating maybe some of your pursuits, your dreams, your thoughts, and you say to yourself, you know what, I want to have the kind of satisfaction in Jesus that causes every other pursuit in this world to then become meaningless. And if that's you, I just want to ask you to slip up a hand because I want to pray for you this morning. Thank you. Yeah, hands all over the room. Thank you. I, I want to choose to find my contentment, my hope, my peace, my satisfaction in relationship with Jesus. I want to see it. Anybody else? I don't want to miss anybody. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Can I ask you to stand as we get ready to close in prayer together? You know, we oftentimes look at relationship with Jesus more like fire insurance than we realize. It's a reality. I want to have the kind of relationship with Jesus that keeps me out of hell. I want to have the kind of relationship with Jesus that gets me into heaven. And I want to encourage you that even though in a moment we can, we're going to say a prayer together and the Bible is so clear that it's simple, that if we confess with our mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in our hearts that the Spirit of God raised Him from the dead, that we'll be saved. But that's just the entry fee. That's just the beginning. Every day after that is living for Jesus and learning to replace the desires of this world with the satisfaction that only God can give. And that's my prayer for you. That's my prayer for all of us is that we would come to that place of being completely satisfied in who Jesus is. And so I want to lead you in a prayer this morning. I want to invite you to say this with me, but to ask God to be that which truly satisfies our hearts. So would you pray this with me? Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart and life and to be the one true thing that can satisfy, that can bring me peace and give me hope.
I confess with my mouth that you are Lord of all creation. And I believe in my heart that you're the one true God who is raised from the dead for my sake. Come into my heart and satisfy my soul. In Jesus' name. God, that is truly our greatest need in all of this world. The need for you. God, unfortunately, too late, too often, the reality sets into each of us. There was nothing else that could bring what you bring. There was nothing else that could give what you give. And so, Lord, I pray that you would fix our eyes on you to draw close to you, to love you, to be satisfied in you. God, be the friend who sticks closer than a brother in our lives. Let us, just as Simeon did, behold you, God, for who you are and the great love that you're pouring out on our lives. God, I pray your blessings over each one in this room, Lord, as we go our separate ways today, go into the busyness of life, pursuit of the feels of feeling good and feeling satisfied. God, would you, would you fix our eyes on you in every one of those moments, realizing that when we have you, we have everything that we need. We thank you, God, for your goodness to us, your faithfulness, your kindness, your patience. And I pray, God, that as we continue to pursue you, that we will see you for who you truly are. And just as Simeon said... I could be at rest and at peace now because I have known Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, and we love you. We give you all the glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Go out and pursue Jesus with all you've got. Our prayer team will be up here at the front if you need prayer this morning. They'd love to pray with you. But the Lord is faithful. Give him all the glory in everything you do.